0: Genius episode 49, Fortnightly
1: Rabbit Feet of Play. In this episode, Bruce and Donald are joined by the glorious Bez to talk about Usaki Yojimbo comics, monster clay gray sculpting material, and the Drawfeet Show on YouTube.
2: Hey, do you know you can go over to
1: podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Pod Pledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs. We awesome. truly appreciate it.
2: Thanks.
0: Welcome to Inverse Genius Fortnightly, the show where once every couple of weeks we tell you about things that we think are exciting. I always like to note this is not an expert level uh, discussion of any of these. This is not a master's class. This is just things that we really like that, that we've been involved in or amused by. The cool things. Cool things. It is tell and tell. Uh, first, I'm going to introduce uh, someone whose voice you've probably heard many times on the show. Uh, the always lovely, the always wonderful donald dennis
1: hello everybody go find me on the internet as waltzfio hooray
0: there you go it's always easy and i don't even need to thank you i appreciate that the training wheels (laughs) of not waiting for me to ask you because i would have forgotten and you could tell you could see me because we can we can all see each other and now joining us uh first time on this show from such a far distance from where donald and i are currently residing it's none other than bez how are you doing bez
2: I am fantastic. I am super excited to be on this show. It's been a long time coming. And mm. you can find me as stuff by bears everywhere. So I am Bez, I make stuff. Some of that stuff is games. Some of that stuff is streaming. And sometimes I draw things and some of the stuff I draw is for games. But yeah, stuff by Bez on com or on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or Twitch or YouTube. On all the places. You. Uh, yeah, not all the places. There's a lot of places.
0: TikTok, <laughs> Clip uh Montessori, all the places where you can find stuff.
2: As uh, so you of know, Vermont, this- South Illinois. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, as you know, out there, folks, it's tell and tell. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn this over to Bez. Bez, uh, tell and tell us about something.
2: I want to tell you about what I think is, without a doubt, one of the best comics out there.
0: That's a bold Mm.
2: statement. Usagi Ojimbo. Uh, Are you familiar with this?
0: So I only know Usagi Ojimbo, and this is the extent of my knowledge, as a friend of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that is as far as my knowledge goes.
2: So there was a crossover back when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were a thing, which kind Mm -hmm. of tells you how respected the comic is that the people who were making the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were, yeah, sure, you can use our characters and put them into your comic for a short run. Yeah, sure, Usagi can come into the animation. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a bloody big thing, is it not? Yes. There was an RPG, there was a video game, I think, back in the days of the spectrum. it. W- I've not played it, but I hear it was pretty rubbish. But mm. it's all about the comic, right?
1: Yeah, give give us a quick premise on it. What is what is it? You've mentioned the name, which it's, I can never pronounce. Uh, but Usagi
2: Ojembo, It means rabbit bodyguard. It's mm. a bunch of critters, a bunch of animals in feudal Japan. So imagine feudal Japan, right? And mm. the, the main character is a rabbit. They they were a samurai. They lost their master. Their master died, and now they're wandering the land, and they've been going for decades at this point, because you don't know exactly how long the comics run, but they've had time to grow up and have children, and but then the children don't know that Usagi- I, I'm trying not to give spoilers, but, you know, there's a lot of history, and you can't talk about it with the spoilers, and as Usagi wanders the land, you get to know more of the little characters, and over literally decades of writing, there's been an amazing cast of characters, and this is the work of basically one person, which is the incredible thing about it. So a Japanese-American called Stan Sakai, this isn't like the Marvel Universe, where it's, okay, a whole bunch of people, conglomerate, or DC Universe or whatever. This is one person, and there's like Mariko, who's, okay, she's pretty uh, and she's sexy, but she will also steal your stuff and then maybe kill you. Hmm. And then there's, you know... The body count, it, I'm actually going to say, this is not a comic for kids, by the way. The body oh, count is actually pretty high. If you disclaimer. want, um, there are, pr- every time someone dies, there's a little spooky skull above them at like their last gasp of breath, and then the skull represents the species that they are, and everything's done in a super stylistic way, but then you can see how the art mutated over the course. At the start, it was a bit more cute, and, okay, a bit more, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, this Mm -hmm. is the way it's going. But then, over the course of it, you start to see a a certain elegance to the art, uh, an aspect where it means that, hey, this wouldn't quite work as an animation, but as a comic, it works perfectly. Diversity of characters and... For me, the wonderful thing about Tsai Gojimbo, one of the best things about it is the storytelling. You learn about Japan, everything's impeccably researched, because even though Stan Sakai is a Japanese-American, because they've been living in Hawaii for the better parts of their life, they do actual research, so they make sure, hey, even if I'm using this crazy mythological beast, I want to know how it operates. And sometimes there'll be something where they learn about this type of craft and they say, okay, this is how it operates. And you learn a little bit about the culture. It feels like a really well-honed world because it is kind of like an alternate history, mythological world.
1: So is this still a living series that's ongoing and being published currently?
2: 100%. I think it's up to about 30 volumes And it's not being delivered at an insane rate, like, sorry, insane rate sounds, it's not being delivered at super speedy rates like you get with a lot of Japanese stuff, where Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we need to get this as fast as we possibly can. There's maybe one, maybe two graphic novels per year, and these graphic novels are quite slim and each graphic novel, it feels quite diverse in scope. Sometimes an entire graphic novel will be about the relationship between Usagi and their teacher, and sometimes it'll be about Usagi and their family, because even though they are wandering alone, they have uh, I'm just yeah, they do have a child and that's as spoilery as I'm going to get, but there is definitely a complex web there. There's okay, now we have uh, one graphic novel about this demon who's coming back and to haunt everyone, to take over everyone's body. And sometimes there's like a free graphic volume epic where they take a sword and then they deliver it to a shrine where it's all about political upheaval and what this sword represents to all the different clans going on. It feels it, epic but never overwhelming.
1: Is there ever a storyline with a lone wolf and a cub?
2: Yes. Okay, just checking. So they actually have Lone, Goats, and Kid. Uh, Ah, nice. As a parody.
1: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So did you, if you've been, have you been with this the entire run since it's been the beginning? Have you been reading, or have you read the early ones as well, all of them?
2: I have. um, I'm missing one of the very, very early books. I think I got into it around chapter 15-ish, I want to say. Um, So of the entire run which was over a decade ago to be fair Mm -hmm. i picked it up and it was it just spoke to me the line art even within one single issue a lot happens i feel like the story moves along it never feels like yes there are fights but the most grand fight what will be resolved in one issue and this was like a fight where it was something that if you needed two characters this was like the major high point of we've taken a decade to get to this it's not like dragon ball z where something can last for multiple volumes or something like that one
1: power up lasts three
2: volumes yeah
1: gotcha (laughs) uh was there a huge art shift when he switched to more of a computer generated art or is he still doing everything by hand
2: Oh no, um, everything's still being hand-drawn and hand-lettered so Stan Sakai has actually won awards for lettering I don't know if you're familiar with Sergio Aragonis Yes, it's from did, um, car- So Sergio, for those who don't know did cartoons for um, comics in the margins of Mad Magazine that's mm-hmm. probably a big claim to fame and also grew the Wanderer and Stan Sakai actually did lettering and has won awards for the lettering in Groo the Wanderer nice. and um Yeah, so you know that you're getting good stuff, and it's kind of like, yeah, when you get the French version or Italian version, and I did actually end up buying a lot of the French ones because, yeah, I've read all of these, but it's a nice way to try and learn French. Mm -hmm. Um, You can totally tell that, yes, this is based on their lettering, but there's a consistency, like a mechanicalness, that's not quite Mm -hmm. as nice. But when you've got the original English version, which is what it's written in, it's just... You know, there's a nuance in every single letter that's every single letter came from one person. And I think it's just incredible the amount of work that they go through and the fact that it is still all 100% creator owned. Nice.
0: Wow.
1: That's, that's always exciting. Hmm. So So I
0: suggested jumping on point for someone that listens to this and they love what they're hearing. Do do they just start at chapter one or is there another point where you think they can kind of get in and start to see what's going on and get like a taste for what this is to see if they're going to like it?
2: What I will say is that because it's not from the biggest company, some of the volumes have been criminally underprinted Mm -hmm. to the point where they cost maybe 15 quid. I don't know how much that is in American money, maybe like twenty dollars but That's it costs
0: 30
2: bucks. That's... Anyway, but like 15 quid and then but if you go online it costs you literally like 40 quid for some of these volumes Ooh. even though even the imperfect ones, even the ones with maybe a little rip on one side, because mm-hmm. they are that criminally underprinted. And so what I would say is that if you're listening to this and you think, "Oh, that sounds fun." Check it out and any of the ones from Dark Horse so it's gone through three publishers, um, technically four, but Mirage, I'm kind of not counting that because that, the comics were printed by Mirage, but then in terms of trade paperbacks, that's all went to Dark Horse. So okay. the first eight are Fantagraphics. That's fine. That feels like the origins. If you already know I want to read this, then sure, go off and buy some of those. The Dark Horse ones for me are the best where especially towards the end of that, like volumes 30 onwards. Honestly, whichever ones you buy, as long as you don't buy the grass cuts or volumes, which are like a free volume epic, if you know what I mean, anything else, you know you're going to get something self-contained. Buy yourself one or two of them. They're all immensely readable and you'll probably end up reading both of them within one evening. And you will thank <laughs> me for not having to go off and buy the second one and wait until you read that <laughs> second one. So just buy... To whichever ones you can from Dark Horse, whichever ones happen to be available for a decent price.
1: I know this is blasphemy, but are they available digitally anywhere?
2: I am not sure they are. I don't think they are. Okay, well.
1: If we find out later that they are, we'll let people know in a future episode, so stay tuned for that.
2: Please do. That sounds exciting. But, no, great comic. I'd definitely check it out because I think it's and awesome
0: nice very good very good so now we're gonna we're gonna change gears gonna move or donald what do you have to tell and tell us about this week? oh Ooh. well i'm
1: gonna talk about uh, something that uh you know i've owned it since before christmas and had just finally got a chance to pull it out and play with it uh way back when i i bought the jazza art box collection um the big, the big boxes that he did. And in them, he has a sculpture box. And in that there's this stuff called monster clay. And I use the monster clay medium and I needed something that I could use in my mold making class so that I could make a two part mold. So I'm like, fine, I'll grab this, lay it out. It's nice and soft. And then afterwards I'm like, now that I've used it for something that it was not really intended for, I'm going to do some sculpture with it. And monster clay is a soft, uh, well, actually, they have multiple multiple hardnesses. I've got the medium one, and it's a a premium grade modeling clay, reusable and sulfur free. But it's kind of an oil wax based sculpture medium. Pulling mm-hmm. that from their site, and uh, the the stuff I'm using is their gray version uh, in medium. And basically, you can warm it up enough with your hands by just kneading it, and not having to stick it in the microwave and warm it up, which you may not want to do because it is oil and wax based and it will turn into a liquid okay. pretty quickly. <laughs> Though I did do that when I was using it for mold making. Uh, but it allows you to get a lot of really cool detail and in the stuff that you're sculpting. And I am a novice sculpture sculptor. I'm, I'm not a sculptor at all, but uh, a <laughs> novice sculptor and that I have created previously a little face, a couple little faces that you could, you know, paint up and hang on the walls and gave away for Christmas as Christmas ornaments once so like an organic very crushed top hat, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to make some more of those. So I yeah. got this out. I played with it. Um, the air conditioner in the house was a little not on the cold side and it was super soft and easy to work with. Uh, yeah. And then when someone turned on the AC, when I wasn't paying attention, it firmed up, but I was still able to work it with my fingers. Okay. It is amazingly cool. Um, and it is super compatible with, if you want to make molds of stuff so that you can then, uh, with silicone mold. And I just, I am loving it. And it's gotten me excited because it's not like if you've ever used sculpt super Sculpey or even the really cheap oil-based clays that you can buy pretty much anywhere. Uh, that this isn't something you can bake and harden. It is something you're going to sculpt out, you're going to cast from it, and then you are going to uh, use that, just reuse it for something else.
2: So there's no way to... Uh, that. I was about to ask, do you bake it and harden it? But if you can't do that, right. then how do you make sure that it keeps its integrity?
1: Uh, well, it's not a permanent uh, sculpting solution. They do have another um, monster clay that is designed for uh, for baking and for hardening. But, and I've got a sample of that as well, but because our oven doesn't work, I haven't even started sculpting with it. Uh, but, uh, for this stuff, it is pretty much designed to cast from, I believe. I mean, they, they don't really say that you have to use it for casting. Uh, but, uh, I was teaching mold making and casting at, uh, the library last week. And so that's why I got this stuff out and I created some stuff and I've, I've cast a few little bits from it and it's, Oh, it's
2: super nice. So when you say you cast from something, just, I'm going to be the voice of ignorance. All so right. That
0: means and that you've always got- about to ask the same question. <laughs> so so
1: you- uh, for example, I've sculpted this face. We'll use what the product, pro- uh, the project that I'm working on now. Right. So it's on a flat thing and I'm going to take a, a silicone, uh, molding liquid and you know, mix it up with the thing, the catalyst pour it over the top of this when it's inside of a box so that I get a mold from that. And then it will preserve all of the detail that I've managed to get from this with the clay. And then once the silicone is hardened, I pull that out of that and then uh, you flip it over and then you'll pour in a resin or plaster. Cause we did a lot of sculpting with plaster Uh, Or better yet, if you want it to be durable enough, you'll use like some sort of dental plaster that Mm. will withstand quite quite a bit of pressure. Then you'll be able to pull that out and you'll have a master that should you ever need to remake your mold, you'll be able to do that. Uh, Or you could do it as a one-time casting if you wanted to. But this way, I'm going to be able to take this face that I have carved, make 20 or 30 of them, give them to friends and family for holidays or you know, hang them up at the library and annoy people or, you know, whatever it is that I want to do with them. And it's just nice because, you know, you can use just your fingers. Most of my sculpting I did with my fingers and like two tools, two of the little sculpting tools and one wire ring. And I've got a nice little face that I've done.
0: But but essentially, I just want to make sure I want to go through this again to make sure I get it. Yes. If my end goal is I would like to give this face to someone. Yes. I need the 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 monster sculpt stuff Mm -hmm. and then i make it and then i need a wooden box bigger than it to put it in yes i need to close said wooden box with a hole at the top then i dump in something like silicone to completely encase the monster sculpt yes then i pull that apart pull the the piece that i've just made with the material we're talking about here today Mm -hmm. i can then mush that into whatever else i want it to be but it's not going to be this face anymore right then I take the master that I've created with the silicone, put it together, and then dump some sort of plaster or resin or whatever uh, to then make the actual face. I would then want to like give someone.
1: This segment became more complicated than I intended to be. Yes, that is exactly true.
2: Okay, okay. I get. Thank you for that, Bruce. Because I thought that the um, resin and the silicone was the monster. What's it called? Monster clay.
1: Monster clay. Yes.
2: Yeah. Mon- I thought that was monster clay with a uh, silicon infusion, like mixing it with silicon, so it's just a totally different medium. It's yep. totally different silicon that goes in there. Okay, got it. Great. So
1: they have they have a different kind of monster clay Um, that is. in We just
0: grasped this monster clay, right? No, well, <laughs> this is this is going to be
1: easier. It's a it, it is one that you can throw in the oven after okay. you've sculpted the thing make it permanent and, and and you'll have that. Um, I, I have not used it enough. Well, I've not used it at all. Let's be a little more honest. Um, I have it sitting here and as soon as we get our oven repaired, which probably should happen sometime before Thanksgiving, I'll, I'll let people know what I think about that. But in, in this case, I've just had so much fun basically sculpting in this wax clay stuff That that's what I wanted to talk about. But instead, I will say, and if you are looking for a neat silicone that you can create molds and stuff out of, I went to Reynolds Advanced Materials, talked to the guy there. I didn't go there. I did it online and and over the phone. And he recommended that there is some stuff that you can use when you don't have a vacuum chamber or any other special equipment. Uh, And it worked really well to get some incredibly precise molds. But uh, that's, that's probably a different episode of Inverse Genius to talk about, well, really.
0: Quite possible. But remember, if you're out there, fair listener, and you have a vacuum chamber, you now know exactly the sculpting material to use.
1: There you go. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: All right. Yeah.
2: Okay,
1: Bruce, this is a little obscure.
2: I mean, if you have a vacuum chamber, then it sounds like you're, you probably already know what you're doing. <laughs> yes. No, but
0: you might not know about this product. I like, because let's be honest, Bez, you and I both have a lot of game stuff. It doesn't mean people can't introduce me to game stuff I don't
2: understand. So that's very true. That's very true. You know,
0: and, I, and I would say I'm at a pretty high level understanding of game stuff. And at least once every two days I get hit with something where I'm like, that mm. really, that's okay. Right? I mean,
1: because I know that a lot mm. of people uh, for, for when they're making their molds or making whatever they're casting off of, mm-hmm. they'll even use the, uh, the air dry clay. If they're going to be casting off of it, or they'll use the oven hardened clay, like a Sculpey three that you, you know, throw in and as some sort of polymer clay and all that's great. Especially if you want an original that you can keep, And you want to keep that one thing. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I found those a lot more difficult to work with than this um, monster clay gray that I'm talking about, because it's like butter. It's like sculpting with butter that keeps its shape.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I think he needs like an entire episode about, you know, just sculpting. Well,
1: that's that's a different show. (laughs) But yes. So uh, if I ever get any good at it, that is what we'll do. Or if I can find someone who already has the skills. Nice. So, yes. Bruce, what do you got for us? Mm.
0: so uh here's what i have for you because we need our requisite someone has to suggest a youtube channel uh-huh. so i'm going to step up and do that um so i'm going to introduce you to something there are two concepts that uh do not sound like they necessarily go together but they're sort of vaguely similar to one another that i'm going to bring to you one mm. is drawing we we all know what drawing is and improv
2: oh yeah drawing gets when you take the top cards off a deck right
0: exactly exactly uh so visual art we have <laughs> pens we have pens and pencils and ink and things. Um, and uh, the art of improvisation, uh, which is someone gives you something and you immediately act with it. The channel I want to talk about is called The Drawfee Show. D-R-A-W-F-E-E. Drawfee. Uh, and what they do is essentially there Over time, the cast has changed. And on any given show, there are sort of four main Drawfee members and at least three of them appear on about every episode. And they're given a prompt that they must immediately draw something for. Uh, So sometimes what they'll do is, is they have a character that I love called the lore librarian, where this essentially represents every person, you know, that's like a little too into the lore Mm -hmm. of whatever it is. Uh, And they'll say like, okay, today I'm going to present you with a Pokemon, but I'm only going to tell you the explanation of their powers translated from japanese and i want you to draw what that would be don't try (laughs) to guess what it is but draw what i have told you it is based on the japanese translation um another one they did recently that hit my heart personally was no one on the drawfee show watches professional wrestling so they brought someone in that like does professional wrestling to give them just the goofiest character names ever and have them draw the character So essentially, it's saying, like, hey, draw Diamond Dallas Page for me. And someone goes, like, I don't even know what that means. That, okay, well, I'm going to guess it's a person, so I have to start with that. And they start, like, drawing the form of a person out, and then drawing that person as, like, a human diamond. And then, like, and that's what the show is. Did they know Uh, that it
1: was professional wrestling, or were they just giving them names?
0: Yes, no, they knew it was professional wrestling coming in. And kind of part of sort of the, the circle here is that they're not going to do a ton of additional research. Um, now, in some cases, some of them, like one of the people in the show, uh, Nathan, is very knowledgeable about Pokemon. So sometimes they will give him this janky Japanese translation to English and he'll go, oh, that's Voltorb. And they'll go, yeah, well, yeah. He goes, well, that's not what you told me. So I'm going to draw the thing you've told me. But I don't know how we get Voltorb from mm. that. But clearly it's Voltorb. Uh, so you'll get a little bit of that in there. Um, but they did, for instance, they did magic cards. They did a crossover with Wizards of the Coast when the new magic set was going to come out. Where all they got was the flavor text to like <laughs> new dragons that were going to be added to the game. And they had to draw them. Um, so you'll get some really crazy. They're all uh, really good artists that are good at this fast style. Um, and some of them had to adapt because they talk about that a lot is in the artist process of adapting to Drawfee to a place where your art has to have no value at all. Like you need to be ready. Uh, they constantly, one of the things they say are destroy your creations. Um, They have to be ready all the time to break whatever they're working on and go to the next thing to try and deal with all the new information they're getting in. Um, It is an immensely entertaining show as they kind of four people talk through all this stuff while they're doing it. While, actively changing the drawing they're making to all of the new information they're getting coming in while like two people are just sort of vamping about whatever the topic is
2: it sounds vaguely like monstrosity the game show if yeah, you're
0: not not entirely dissimilar i would say it's closer to something called super art fight which i think i've talked about before but yeah it's in that same place of monstrosity super art fight This is kind of like, as remember the Drawfee people have appeared on Super Art Fight to Super Art Fight with one another. Yeah, no, it's not. Are they all working
1: on the same picture or are they working on different pictures?
0: Different pictures. So if four of them come up, four of them will get four different things to work on. And you start to get used to their styles. Um, The four main people in the show are Nathan, Jacob, uh, Karina, and Julia. Uh, Nathan does a very cartoony style, as does Jacob. Um, They both do very, like, big happy creatures with big eyes, and everything's kind of welcoming. Karina spent years and years and years doing, like, fan art and anime conventions. So all of her stuff is very kind of angular and anime looking. And then Julia, apparently in art school, wanted to get into poster making, and all of her stuff is, like, incredibly dark and tortured and weird, which is great to see when that meets Pokemon. Uh, because it's her and she knows nothing about Pokemon and she will not learn even though she's on this show. And that's sort of the joke is any show where they do Pokemon and she's not there, they have to go back and tape over again with her on it because people want to see her. Because like at one point they just gave her the name and they said, okay, the name of the Pokemon is Rayquaza. So she drew a person named Rayquaza uh, who their entire power was ability (laughs) to rent a car. And that was... Where she ran because you get these, like, I have this little piece of knowledge about something, so I'm gonna run it into a flight of fancy where I think I'm gonna have fun with it. Um, their goal is always comedy, it's never accuracy, uh, which is always good to see in improv. Um, but they will do those things where, like, you just don't know a thing. Uh, if I say to, you, say to somebody that doesn't know, well, uh, you know, like, draw a rolling right for me, they'll go, okay, well, uh, maybe what I think that is is a car going the correct direction, because that's rolling right because they're just hearing me say it. So they don't know that it's right. Like, right. Um, I'm doing the pen motion (laughs) at the camera. Uh, so you might draw something way out of bounds because you don't understand the, the place you're in. You pull out the words you can understand and you form them into a new thing. You, that isn't right. And that's what they draw. And that's the beauty of the show is watching them. And then at the end they say, okay, well, here's what it should have been. And they're like, Oh, that is sure. Yeah. I guess that is what that would mean. Isn't it? Um, I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's really great for like in the background when you're kind of doing another thing because you can kind of look up and watch the artistic process and then listen to them the rest of the time.
2: So it's not like a competition or anything. No. There's no points. It's just, Hey, let's see how much people diverge. Let's see how wacky we get.
0: It is. Uh, they have not even put the veneer of pretend. They haven't even done the, don't worry. The points don't matter. There are no points. They mm. are just, the whole nice. goal is to have fun. And often for them, a lot of what they do because they're art kids is they're telling artists out there. Cause they get a lot of fan art is well, look, you know, like just remember, you know why I can draw eyeballs because I've drawn eyeballs for 19 years. Remember out there, if you're not doing it as well as we are, uh, don't worry. It's because we've been doing it for 19 years. Uh, You know, let's not forget when we added Karina to the show five years ago, she had already been the kind of person that had booths at anime conventions selling art for 13 years, (laughs) you know, so don't, don't count her short. It all used to be a part of, I think college humor. And then when college humor just destroyed itself, um, they spun off Drawfee, and I, I don't know how it all worked that they got it. I think maybe as a severance package, mm. they got to keep Drawfee, but... That was what they were a part of, and now they're independent and kind of doing it all off of Patreon and, and all that kind of stuff. But really, just a great group of artists, a fun thing to listen to. And like I said, the beauty of it is is you can look down, do the things you're doing, you know, type game rules or whatever it is <laughs> you're doing, listen to them, look up, see where the picture is kind of going, and then get back to what you're doing and then look up again. You don't need to be actively engaged with the screen, but the screen is bringing That's- you really cool things.
2: All right. Sounds awesome.
0: So there you go. Drawfee show D R A W F E E. That's going to be on YouTube. They have just thousands of hours of content, I think so far. Mm. So you can, uh, you can check that out really super cool. Once again, if you're into like art and drawing and that kind of stuff, or if you just kind of, you don't mind listening to people kind of goof on things that you like in popular culture, it's a great place to go.
1: sounds like you can also dig through and find topics you're interested in too.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Would you recommend just jumping into the latest one or are there particular highlights?
0: I would say this, I would say go to, I mean, there are some highlights. The Pokemon episodes are usually pretty good, but I would say they tell you very clearly what the topics are. Go to a topic you like that you feel like you understand or want to see. So if it's, they do D and D go check out D and D. If you want to see Pokemon, check out Pokemon. Uh, They did one recently. I wanted to try and pull it up just so I could get a look at the title, but I believe it was uh, choose a new aesthetic. And what they will do is is just have, like, a random word generator generate a new aesthetic at them, and they have to draw for that. I think I hear it starting to play in the background, uh, which I'm going to turn off. Uh, But uh, one of the ones was your new aesthetic, and it was like, okay, your new aesthetic is night garbage. (laughs) Draw an aesthetic of night garbage. What does that look like? Um. So it's whatever that feels like. There's one that's fictional travel posters that are travel posters to other worlds that don't exist. If that's if that feels like a thing you thinks fun, uh, but they name them to try to get the algorithm to grab them, so they don't hide what the episode's going to be about. Um, I would say always take a look at the Pokemon if you can tolerate Pokemon because Julia understand so little about Pokemon that it's great to watch how terrible it goes off the rails, but beyond that, whatever it is you like, if it's, you know, if it's Pokemon, if it's, there's one where they just did birds, they took like bird names and what the names are and drew what the bird should look like. And then compared it to the actual bird. Ooh. It's just a lot of fun. I, but I would say to jump on, just look at whatever one kind of appeals to you. There's one where they did uh they redesigned the Looney tunes. Ooh. So they redesigned bugs bunny as a <laughs> YouTuber. So he's just like a jerk YouTuber with like a nose ring. Like it's just fun to check out. Um, but yeah, whatever sort of topic appeals to you is where I would begin. Nice. They are in no real, you know, I mean, obviously kind of in jokes form through chronological order, but it's not necessary.
1: And that's drophy. Yeah. Well, Sounds really good. Excellent.
0: I certainly hope so.
1: I don't have a group thing for us this time, so let's wrap this up.
0: Very good. Hey everybody. Uh, thanks so much for listening to what we do. Hey, Donald, normally you cover the closing. So why don't you tell them all the places where they can find us? Cause I can't remember. So uh, head
1: on over <laughs> to InverseGenius.com and check out uh, the folks who create the show and all of our other fine podcasts like, well, mostly on board games and the games in schools and libraries podcast. But also uh, we have links there to the fine folks over at the party Gamecast, featuring food and, yeah. <laughs> and of course, head on over to our Facebook group where you can let us know what you're geeking out about. That's it. I'm Donald. I'm Bruce. I've been
2: Bez. I still am.
1: Hooray! And thank you for listening.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
1: That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License.
0: Thank you.